So my name is Marcus Jabek, and this is my wife, Mary Kay. And we have been married now for 14 or 15 years, depending on which anniversary we use. But we'll get to that later. Uh, we have one 13-year-old son, and his name is Isaiah. And I think we have a family picture here. There you go. Cute. He's uh, taller than me now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while, right? Uh, uh, I was born in 1982 and raised in Vienna, Austria. So that's where kind of like the weird accent comes from. And I lived with both of my parents and one older brother. And I went to a private Catholic school. But faith, church, or believing in, in God was not part of my parents' life or my life. Culturally, we were Catholics, as that was on my passport, but I really knew nothing of um, the religion. I knew Jesus' story through movies, uh, Christmas, and Easter. I always thought, what a cool story. But I, I was also told that this story was not true, and then Jesus was a myth or a legend. Uh, I never heard the gospel until I was in my early 20s when I met Mary Kay. And I was born um, very far from Austria in Beaumont, Texas in 1970. I grew up in, but I grew up in East Texas with both of my parents and older brother who, um, they were Bible-believing Christians. Our lives revolved around our church and our family. I trusted in Christ as my Savior when I was eight years old while at a good old-fashioned revival. Um, my relationship with the Lord grew into a deep, mature relationship, and I felt a desire from the Lord at an early age that I wanted to be a missionary. I went to Baylor University, Sikkim, and became heavily involved in ministry with Young Life, um, Kanakuk, and anything else that had to do with telling others about Jesus. I was an overachiever in high school, and I brought that attitude into college, thinking I would stand out and become the best of the best, um, but... I had to come to grips with the reality that everyone there at Baylor had the same resume as I did. What I thought would be the best years of my life actually were some of the loneliest, and I developed an eating disorder and began to struggle with self-worth and depression for the first time. So Europe is a very dark and godless place, even if it's beautiful and outside, but there's, uh, yeah, it's very dark and godless. It's very common to give children a lot of freedom at an early age, and my parents did just that. Uh, I was given no responsibility without any discipline. At a very young age, I started drinking, smoking, experimenting with drugs, and having sex. In fact, when I was a teenager, uh, my parents would allow my girlfriends to sleep over at our house. This was just a culture that I lived in. Uh, I moved out of the house at 17 and lived on my own with no care in the world. I lived life without purpose until I was in my early 20s. At 21, one of my girlfriends became uh, pregnant, and she ended up having an abortion. Uh, around the same time, my dad had a heart attack and almost died. Uh, this was really hard for me, and I began to have irrational fears about death and wondering what happened to me uh, if I die and where would I go. After college, I moved to California and went through a, a really dark period where I was struggling with the recent divorce of my parents, who had been the pillars of our community and church growing up, who, by the way, were remarried um, like seven years ago after being apart for 20. Mm -hmm. So go God. That's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> but because I wasn't doing well spiritually during that time, um, I began to experience the world for the first time. I began to engage in behaviors that were foreign to me, like drinking and smoking and even having sex, which something I vowed not to do mm -hmm. and, until marriage. 
um, I then moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and got involved with an amazing church and began volunteering again with Young Life. And my desire to go overseas surfaced again. So in 1997, I moved to Vienna, Austria, where I went on staff with Young Life International, and I also taught at a um, missionary kids' school. While in Vienna, I briefly met Marcus um, a few times, but no real interaction, just a kiss-kiss kind of thing, and that was it. He didn't speak English, after all, and my German was awful. (laughs) We joked that when we met, he was illegal, because he was. He was 16, and I was 28, so you can do the math. Um, He was just my Andrew's tall, Austrian, smiley friend to me. And she was just Andrew's teacher, Miss Langston, to me. That's right. Um, I moved to Portugal, though, in 2000, uh, and the next three years would be some of the best years of my life. I was thriving in ministry and in my relationships, but then I was hurt deeply by some colleagues in ministry. I felt abandoned and lost, and instead of running to Jesus, I ran to my then-boyfriend, which led to this um, beginning of a spiritual downward spiral in a very long and dark decade for me. I eventually moved back to the States, um, in '03, and landed here in Dallas. It was the hardest few years of my life, actually. I was in culture shock, and my life was just turned upside down. I began to turn to the world again to fulfill me. I was angry and bitter, so I wandered in the desert for a very long time. It wasn't that I had turned my back on the Lord. It was just that I didn't know how to praise Him in the midst of my pain, and church was the last thing that I wanted, but it was the very thing I needed the most. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I decided to visit some friends in Las Vegas in 2005, and during the three months I was overseas, my mom uh, found out that my dad had an affair, and he left my mother for another woman. Uh, that's just, it rocked my world. In, in Vegas, I lived with our mutual friend, and Mary Kay came to visit him one weekend, and she quickly become, became more than Andrew's teacher, and I definitely was not calling her Miss Langston anymore, right? Um, <laughs> A lot of things had changed since we met in Vienna just six years prior. Uh, I fell completely in love with her. I eventually moved to Texas in 2006. I didn't have a a steady job, so I thought, why not? Uh, But after three months, I either had to go back to Vienna or make my move here permanent. So we decided in a classic way to elope while in Vegas on August 24, 2006, and we have a picture, and that's anniversary number one. Yeah, that's the wedding chapel. Yeah. We made it famous, not Britney, not Britney Spears. Spears. Yeah, we did. Yeah. That's funny. Okay, so, yeah, I went to, with a girlfriend to Vegas to celebrate my 35th birthday and, and came home with a husband. No, I didn't, we didn't marry then, but <laughs> yeah. be a year later. But Marcus and I were reintroduced that weekend and, and fell in love. Um, I knew he wasn't a believer. Um, But I was in such a dark place and was so desperate for love and acceptance that I didn't even care. I I even overlooked the fact that he was just 23 years old. I was enamored that he was Austrian, and that seemed like a sign that it was meant to be. (laughs) Maybe he would be my ticket back to Europe. So I thought, we're still here. (laughs) We ended up eloping while we were in Vegas um, a year later without anyone knowing. I woke up a few months later, though, and wondered, what have I done? I began to feel shame, and I realized that the day I had dreamed about my whole life and waited 35 years to experience was done in secret and in shame and with a non-believer. 
I also began to realize what my distance from the Lord was doing to me. I saw the reality of our lives and how hard it was going to be, our age difference, the cultural differences, being unequally yoked, the language barrier, which is actually a funny story, because I didn't realize until years later that he didn't speak English as well as he had led me to believe. I remember thinking he was such a good listener because he would just listen and laugh at my stories. Still working on the English piece. <laughs> and it turns out that the first year of our marriage, he, I mean, there was no communication hardly. He barely understood anything I said. A lot of kissing going on. Yes. <laughs> and other things. <laughs> but we eventually had an amazing wedding in front of our family and friends on October 27, 2007. And that is anniversary number two, which we actually celebrate. And that's our wedding. And all of his family came over and it was, it was amazing. And I thought, though, if we have a wedding, then it would be legit, and the shame would go away. Two months later, though, I was pregnant, and in um, 08, our son Isaiah was born. During this time, I started to struggle again with my self-worth. I gained a lot of weight during my pregnancy, and I began to feel very insecure, and I hated myself. I felt that Marcus was disgusted with me, too. I also didn't take to being a mother that easily, and it didn't help that we were so isolated. I was so depleted spiritually that I was like a shriveled up prune. I had hid in my house for almost 10 years carrying this burden that I, the missionary, would choose a life separated from the church. I didn't know how to reconcile that. I didn't know how to thrive in the Lord and not have a husband who understood that part of me. I couldn't merge the two. The anger built up inside of me and I literally grew to hate him. I began to blame him for my unhappiness when deep down, I knew that my validation and happiness should come from the Lord. And our marriage suffered in every way. I mean, Marcus and I became like roommates. I treated him horribly. I was mean, not only to him, but to myself and to everyone that entered my path. And through the years, I prayed for his salvation. And I briefly would see glimmers of hope that his eyes would be opened. But I would get so heavy from discussing it with him. Like I felt responsible for his emotional well-being. And it weighed me down, and I would get frustrated and angry that he didn't get it. And this is really hard to admit, but I even envisioned at times, like, hurting him really badly. And the, the thought was, like, I want to beat him with a baseball bat. And it actually brought me pleasure. And I would never do that, but that's how much I hate there was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- would think things like, how do I stay in a loveless marriage without any intimacy And because our sex life had suffered and we would go years, literal years, without being intimate. I didn't feel desirable, which would then push him away. It was a horrible cycle. But then things took a crazy turn in our marriage in the spring of 2015. And he came into my office and told me that he didn't love me anymore and wanted out, that he was done. Um, So everything went really quickly after our wedding, and I depended on Mary Kay a lot since it was a different country, different culture, language, as we mentioned. Uh, We put our son first, which I thought as a great parent, that's what you have to do. I also didn't know how to lead. Uh, I was passive and lazy, which put a lot uh, of weight and responsibility on her shoulder. Uh, She had to take care of everything. Uh, She felt like she had to teach me about life, because let's face it, I was... Still kind of a kid when we married. Um, She even had to teach me how to drive a car. and That's no joke. 
<laughs> uh, the dynamic of our relationship became more like a brother and sister. She had basically lost respect for me as I had no clue how to be a husband or what that role really meant. The pride and shame from that led to anger and frustration on my part. I knew I was letting her down. I could see how unhappy she was. We started attending here at Watermark on and off around 2011. And while Mary Kay was a believer and a follower of Christ, I still didn't understand it. We had many conversations about Christ, but I just didn't get it. I really liked the music here, and it was very different than a traditional Catholic service. Uh, and I also noticed the people in the church and their vibe and how fulfilled they seemed. Uh, there were some services throughout the years that I just started crying, really, and felt something, but would ignore those feelings. I remember Mary Kay always telling me that it's God working uh, on you. So in late um, 2014, I started uh, a friendship with a female co-worker, which um, grew into a full-blown affair. Uh, I felt that relationship could fix all my anger and frustration. I told Mary Kay that I was done and I didn't love her anymore. Uh, later that night, I came home, not sure what to expect, but I saw an immediate change in her, actually. Uh, I hurt her deeply, but she told me that she still loved me. Uh, she asked me if there was anybody else, and of course I lied to her and told her no. But she found out the truth on her own. Uh, through that time, I really started reading the Bible and began looking for answers. Uh, Mary Kay showed me grace each and every day. She was seeing me through God's eyes, which I didn't understand. How and why could she be so calm? Uh, she, she knew I was lying uh, to her, which hurt her so much, but she still showered me with grace. We went to counseling and also started going here to re-engage. On the first night after hearing Su Susan Cox's story, I knew I needed to surrender to Jesus. A few weeks later, after meeting with my counselor, I went to Watermark here. I was listening to worship music. I was reading my Bible, and for the first time, I, oh, there it is. <laughs> for the first time, I truly understood what Christ did for me. Then there was a man on earth sent by our Holy Father, his only son, and his name is Jesus. He gave his life for me. He got punished, tortured, beaten, nailed on a cross for my sins. I soaked everything in. I could not stop crying, and it still tears me up. Um, I thought to myself, think about it. <clears throat> no, this is... Uh, this is the most selfless thing someone can do for you, just out of love. That Jesus died on the cross so we can live free. I, I had somewhat an epiphany, feeling God's presence and praying to him, save me, Lord. I'm so tired of running from you. My life is obviously a mess. So take my heart, Lord. It's all yours. So forgive me for my sins. I surrendered my life to my Lord and Savior. And by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, I was saved. Yeah. Amen. That's my favorite part. <laughs> and it, every time I hear it, it brings tears to my eyes. But it was in those moments after he told me he didn't love me that changed the course of my life forever. I had a choice to make. I chose to get on my knees in forgiveness and brokenness and surrender my life back to the Lord. Um, I began to pray for hours for forgiveness and for the Lord to show me my part in the breakdown of our marriage. I began to be broken over my sin and how I had treated him. And in, in those precious moments, the feelings for him came flooding back. And the anger and the resentment and the shame was gone. And it was replaced with joy and peace and love. And I reached out to him and told him I wasn't giving up. 
and that I was going to fight for a marriage. And it was incredibly sweet what the Lord was doing in my life during this period of time. And it wasn't until a few weeks later, though, that I found out he was actually having an affair with a beautiful young girl. And it was my worst nightmare that she was young and full of life and basically everything that I wasn't or I thought I wasn't. Um, And again, I had to make a choice. Do I let anger once again control me or do I show this man grace? So I chose grace. I prayed, I loved, I served, and I transformed in front of his very eyes. He did not stop his relationship with her for a while. But I continued to serve him in the middle of it. Um, The Lord showed me early on that this was a spiritual battle, and it wasn't about me. It wasn't about Marcus, that this was about bringing glory to him. So I prayed for his salvation diligently, and I knew that that was the answer. By the grace of God, over time, the Lord revealed himself to him, and the scales just fell from his eyes. That's great. Uh, My relationship with God and Mary Kay moved in the right direction, and I loved God and fell in love with my wife all over again, which I did not think it was possible. I'm amazed by his grace and, and Mary Kay's grace towards me. After our reconciliation, we were doing so well, but little did we know that we were about to walk through some of the hardest days of our lives. In the fall of 2015, just a few months after our reconciliation, I got uh, really ill and almost uh, died. I basically had a severe reaction to an antibiotic and got Steven Johnson syndrome. Don't Google any images there. (laughs) I was on life support, and it was during this time that my faith was strengthened. And the Lord, I believe, really, the, the Lord protected me, and now I get the opportunity to sit here today. Yeah, those are some scary days. I remember thinking, Lord, why would we go through the last year and come out of it back together for him to just die? It was touch and go, but I prayed over him in the hospital, and I gave him to the Lord. And as he was coming off of life support and waking up, he began to witness to the nurses. It was incredible that just six months prior, he was running from God and wanted to leave his family. But the dark days continued, and after Marcus got well, he was laid off from his job, shockingly, (laughs) two different times, though. Um, Then that next year, at age 45, I um, took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. I was pregnant, and we thought, this is the big red bow to wrap up this hard season of life. We've avoided divorce, death, job loss. This must be our happy ending. (laughs) See, I had wanted another child so desperately Um, through the years, but Marcus didn't, and I I, I hated him for it. Um, I grieved for a child that I did not have for years, but sadly, I lost the baby at 12 weeks, and we were absolutely devastated. I personally walked through a really dark time and watched Marcus support me, cry with me, and even come to his own revelations regarding having more children, which was another step in the healing um, of our relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, I realized that I had I had manipulated her because I'm selfish. I didn't think our marriage would last. So the last thing I wanted was another baby. Uh, but once Christ transformed my life, I was broken over the pain that I caused her. Uh, I had to ask for forgiveness and also forgive myself because I had to grieve that we may not have another child because of me. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make our paths straight. That's why filling our minds with the perfect word of God is so important. By grounding our common sense in God's word, we rely on him and not ourselves. 
And Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 is our family verse. It's been like my life verse and um, the reason why we named our son Isaiah. Uh, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is basically, as I said, my life first. I got ahead of myself and the meaning behind our son's name. So I clung to it again. It was a promise that he was going to do a new thing in our family, and he did. He brought death to life and ashes to beauty. Our marriage is far from perfect, but now we have hope, we have direction, and, and now know that we have to focus on ourselves first. Fix what is in our circle, which I'm, hurt, I'm sure you have all have heard, um, but it works. I cannot believe the transformation in this man. He is leading our home. He prays over his family. He studies the word. It is truly amazing what the Lord has done in his life and in our marriage. And only Jesus Christ could take our mess and make it beautiful. That's good, baby. Um, yeah, just quick reminder, and I think I hope that encourages you. Uh, no matter how deep you are in, in your sin, no matter what your struggle is in your marriage, whatever hinders uh, you, um, know that God has the power to pull you out of this, right? And he gave you the power, the strength, and the courage to do so. So please don't reject him. Uh, he's going to meet you. And uh, just let him into your marriage, really. And why is marriage so important? Because it's important to God. Yeah, and I just want to encourage you one last thing, too, that um, no matter where you are in your journey, um, in, in your marriage, um, mm-hmm. that the Lord can restore it. Um, he can. Um, but all he needs from you is to be willing, if, if you're willing. He is for you, and he is for your marriage, and he wants uh, reconciliation. So please keep coming back. He will meet you here. I promise he will. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for listening.